RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination Taipei, the 1920s. Just next to Taipei's Old North Gate, a long stretch of thin metal barriers hides a historic beauty being turned into Taipei's next museum. Walk around to the front and you can get a peek at it. This handsome old building was once the headquarters of the Railway Bureau, the nerve center of Taiwan's rail network during a critical point in its development. Today, as trains regularly circle Taiwan, this building is a reminder of the era that set the island in motion. This upcoming museum is devoted, as you might expect, to Taiwan's rail history. It's the brainchild of the National Taiwan Museum. It isn't set to open until 2019, but since we've already had a peek at the front, we might as well get a peek at the history the new museum will be celebrating. The National Taiwan Museum's Lin Yihong is with us today to tell us about the network of trains that once ran from this building and the impact the rail system had on Taiwan. Taiwan's first railway was built in the late 19th century, in the final days of imperial Chinese rule here. Shortly after the line was completed, Japan took control of Taiwan, and in 1899, the Japanese authorities founded the Railway Bureau. At first, the bureau was housed in a machine works, a leftover reminder of imperial China's late efforts to modernize Taiwan. But by the 1910s, towards the end of World War I, the location's unsuitability began to show. Taipei was prospering, Mr. Lin says, and organizations in the colonial government were getting new buildings. The most famous of these serves today as the presidential office building. As work on that building was finishing up, some people in the railway bureau began asking for a new building of their own, too. The former machine works was just too small. They got their wish. Construction began in 1918, not far from the machine works, on the site of what had been a temple. Mr. Lin says the new building had an English-inspired design, with a first floor of brick and a second floor of timber. Expense doesn't seem to have been an issue. The timber used in construction was Taiwanese cypress wood, a commodity at the time, and a kind of wood that's still valued today for its soothing scent. The wood came all the way from Ali Shan in Taiwan's high mountains. At the time, logging on the mountain was still at its peak, and the mountain's rich stores of wood could be brought down easily thanks to a logging railroad completed in 1912. The look of the building is thoroughly Western, but if you look closely, there's more of Taiwan to the building than just the timber. An arched brick arcade on the first floor creates a covered walkway for pedestrians passing by, keeping them out of the sun and the rain. Though they don't build them quite as elegantly these days, covered sidewalks like this one are still a feature of Taiwan cities today. Mr. Lin says that by the time the Railway Bureau moved into this new building, Taiwan's railway system had grown. A Japanese-built line, finished in 1908, ran all the way down Taiwan's west coast, linking the most populous parts of the island from Keelung Harbor in the north to Kaohsiung Harbor in the south. 
It was far ahead of the short line that the Imperial Chinese modernizers had left behind, but the round-the-island rail loop of today was still far off in the future. An East Coast route was only just taking shape, and the final link in the loop wouldn't be finished until the 1990s. The Railway Bureau did far more than just move people around. In fact, transport was only one of the Bureau's responsibilities. During the Japanese colonial period, it was the job of the Railway Bureau to see to it that Taiwan became the sort of place you would want to travel around by rail. The Bureau put out an array of maps, guidebooks, and brochures, and marketed Taiwan as a destination. The railway made everything simple. All you had to do to enjoy Taiwan was show up. To make sure visitors were well looked after, the Railway Bureau also ran a chain of railroad hotels and railroad restaurants. During these years, Mr. Lin says, the most luxurious place you could stay in Taiwan was at the Bureau's Taipei Hotel. Taiwan's most luxurious restaurant was there too, offering exotic, fine Western dining. But even if not every place was quite as ritzy, Mr. Lin says that all of the major railway stations at least had a railway cafeteria. Tourists, many of them from Japan, rolled off the boat and onto the train to see the colony's sights. But the railroad was also having an impact on local Taiwanese culture that shouldn't be underestimated. Different parts of the island were now much more easily reachable. Suddenly, a multi-day track between south and north could be completed in just a few hours. The railway also changed ways of thinking about time. Without accurate timekeeping, trains would crash into each other. A concern for punctuality spread into broader society, in part at least because of railroad culture. Where meeting someone at a certain time had once been a vague, inexact science, meeting someone at, say, 2 o'clock now meant meeting someone at 2 o'clock. Time was now important down to the minute. The Railway Bureau managed the system that made these changes possible and kept it running. It kept on doing this through the 1930s as war with China broke out and into the 1940s as the war spread across the Pacific. But the Railway Bureau didn't last. In 1945, the war ended, and after 50 years as its colonial master, Japan relinquished control of Taiwan. The beautiful timbered building did survive, though, and when the government of the Republic of China stepped in to assume control of Taiwan, they put their own railway authority in the same offices. The building continued to serve as the nerve center of Taiwan's railway network for many more decades. So when did the idea to put in a museum here come about? Mr. Lin says the ball started rolling in 1990, when the building was suddenly left without a purpose. The new Taipei main station had been completed, and it was decided that all of the files and all of the furniture would have to be moved into new homes there. The now-empty railway building was not yet a protected site, and so there was discussion about whether to tear the building down and sell the land to developers, or to find some other use for it. It took a long time to decide, and even after a plan was put in place, progress wasn't fast. The building was declared a historic site in 1992. 
Then in 2007, the National Taiwan Museum and Taiwan's railroad company agreed to work together on restoring the building. They had their work cut out for them. Mr. Lin says that as time went on and the number of offices grew, the space proved too small. Additions were put in and other parts of the original building were torn down. Even the arcade for pedestrians was bricked in completely and turned into offices. But a goal had been set, opening up what had been an off-limits space and turning it into a museum celebrating the role of the railroad in Taiwan's history. They couldn't have found a much more appropriate place. So what exactly is going to be in this new museum? Mr. Lin is tight-lipped when I ask for details. He says that so far, only the first two stages of a six-part plan are complete. There still needs to be landscaping, interior installations, and a visitor center before the museum can open. This will be a national-level museum, he says, and planners are going to take the time they need to see the job done properly. But he will say that he's excited to see a valuable piece of Taiwan's history come to life again. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another Journey Through Time. From a fruit market in Tel Aviv to a fish seller in Taipei, the people of our world are working hard to make a living. Are you listening? Tune in to